All right, we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4 this morning. I want to look at two verses, and uh, really just focus in on these two verses. There's a lot in them, and uh, we will um, we'll be looking at that this morning. Jeremiah chapter 4, let's look in verse number 3 and verse number 4. Jeremiah 4, verse number 3 and verse number 4. The Bible says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among the thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord, and take away the foreskin of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can uh, quench it, because of the evil of your doings. Um, we've been looking in Jeremiah already, and I've titled this sermon, Requirements for Revival, um, because it goes along with what we talked about last week as well. But uh, I want us to look at these two verses and learn from it today, and the importance of when we, we talk about wanting God to move and wanting God to work, not just in our own lives, but in our country, and and wanting God to do things. But it does start with us, and we've said that, and you've heard that, but it starts with us individually. And as we experience revival, and as we get our lives on path to where they're supposed to be, um, doing right, living right, uh, being right, loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, uh, loving those around us as Christ loves them, there are things that we must do to get to that point where we are living correctly. And this is really, I think, where it starts at. As God is urging uh, Israel to repent, He is um, calling on the people to come back to Him, to turn away from the idols and the wickedness that they're doing and, and, and live correctly. He gives these instructions in verse 3 and 4, and there's more in the chapter, but um, these instructions in verse 3 and 4 that to me are so simple, yet so profound at the same time. And if we will obey what God told Israel to do in these verses, I believe we will experience in our lives a movement of God and a change in our lives. I, there is so much just through socially, not even spiritually, socially that in listening and in paying attention has changed me over the last several months. And then you add that to now I, I, if I take those, those needed social changes and realize, boy, there are some needed spiritual changes in my lives and my life so that I can make those needed social changes. And uh, so that I can view people properly, love people properly. And it starts from what we read here in Jeremiah 4, verses 3 and 4. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Lord, I pray for your help. And there's so much happening in our uh, society, in our world, in our city, in our community. And God, we desperately need a moving of you, um, by you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today. We have good people uh, in this building today. It's good people. But, Lord, I know that even the good people in this world can improve. And, God, I pray that today, as we've, we hear constantly the need for social change, God, would you help us to have spiritual change? Would you help our lives to be changed from the inside out so that we can live appropriately, biblically, in our society? And, God, that we can be a lighthouse to those around us. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from your word today. Help me to present it clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Here I see uh, really three requirements for revival in these two verses. And so let's just kind of break it down. Let's start with the very first one in verse number three, where he says, break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground, untilled, unworked, um, unoccupied, just ground that's just there. If you're a farmer, I am not. If you're a farmer um, and you see a field that's being wasted, nothing's there, nothing's happening. It's a field that could bring income to your family. It's a field that could uh, bring food to your family. It's a field that could bring um, prosperity to your family in some way, shape, or form. And you just look at it and you go, boy, if I had that land, what I would do with it? And, uh, and that's really kind of what God is doing here. He's looking at ground that, sh- that could be profitable, could be useful, could be important in, in their lives, and it's, it's being unoccupied, it's being untilled, it's being unworked. And, uh, and I liked one thing that I read in regards to fallow ground, is it's capable of improvement. Fallow ground is capable of improvement. It is, it is land that is, or ground that is, uh, uh, that's present, it's there, but so much more could be done. It could be improved upon. Um, when I see certain areas... Uh, in, in Kentucky as I'm driving when I'm working. I'll drive past a place and see this uh, 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 wooded area and I think, boy, what I could do in there. Uh, you know, I could, I could, I could hunt there. I could, I, this week I was at a property, um, uh, 500 acres. Uh, this family, we serviced their house in Lexington. They've got a little farmhouse. And, uh, and then, so I go out to do the farmhouse in Corinth and I get there and it's just a small house. It's got you know wood fence behind it and beside it, and behind it's just just field and woods. And so I started talking to the people. I know them from doing their, their other house and was talking with them and said, So you just have the house here where the fence is, or do you have all that back there? And I was I was trying to get to something, but uh, she she said, Oh no, we got five hundred acres. And I said, Really? And I said, uh, is it is it huntable acres? And uh, she said, uh, she said, well, yeah, we sold the hunting rights to the neighbor, and he leases it out. I was like, oh. And uh, you know, my thought was, boy, what I could do on that. Um, as, a, as someone who, who desires to have land and, uh, and, and lots of animals one day, I drive past places, and I think, boy, if I had that property, what I could do with that? And sometimes you drive past places, and you see houses that are just run down. At one time, were beautiful houses. And you think, well, how would somebody just let it deteriorate to that? How could someone just not use it anymore when it's, it's a beautiful space and it's a, it looks like it was a beautiful house and now it's just crumbling? You see, that's really what fallow ground is. It's unoccupied. It's capable of improvement. And honestly, we are accountable for the fallow ground. God here is talking about our lives, uh, maybe even more specifically our heart. I believe the fallow ground could be a great picture of an unhumbled heart, of a heart that has not been humbled and surrendered to God. It's one that is present but needs improvement and is very capable of improvement, but it has not been broken up. It has not been plowed. It has not been prepared. It has not been cared for. It is just empty space. Oftentimes, the Christian life... because. God here is writing to Israel. Jeremiah is talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is presenting messages to Israel. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to take this out of context. 
but I believe we can apply this to the Christian life as God's talking to Israel, His people. And you think about the Christian life and we being God's children. And God looking at us and saying, here is a heart that is capable of so much more. Here is a life that is capable of so much more, yet you have not plowed it, you have not prepared it, you have not made it where it is usable. You have chosen to leave it abandoned, so to say. That is what he's speaking here to to Israel, is break up the fallow ground. Get it where it is now usable. Get it to where it is now profitable, where it can be uh, used for improvement, where it can be used in a way that it's meant to be used. You see, our lives are meant to be used. They're not, they're not meant to be pictures on a wall. They're not meant to be something where people go, well, you know, they were a Christian. At least that's what they said. Um, but, you know, I never saw them loving the community in any way, shape, or form. I never saw them helping people. As a matter of fact, they were always looking for handouts. They were always looking for something that they could get. If they could get something out of it, and listen, I'm, I'm guilty of this at times. I do. I see things and I think, if I could have that. And uh, I remember, this was, I was young, but that's a bad excuse. Uh, we had an auction that was for a good cause. The money being raised from the auction was for a good cause. And I remember going in there thinking, I'll get it for a dollar. All right, you can have it for a dollar. So I got it for a dollar. How did that dollar help the good cause? But I wasn't thinking about the cause, I was thinking about, I get that for a dollar. What a deal. You know, that's, sadly, that, that defines a lot of Christians. How can I get it to help me? How can I do something that, that helps me? And, and it helps them too, but it helps me first. And as long as it helps me, then I'll do it. That is really an unhumbled heart. It's a heart where it's, it's not about serving and it's not about loving. It's about just, just me. And it's fallow. It's, it's shallow. It's vain. It's empty. And so God says, break up your, uh, your fallow ground. Then he says... And so not among the thorns. Um, in Hebrews chapter 6, let me turn there. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 7 and verse number 8, listen to these verses. If you've got it, you can read them too. But uh, Hebrews 6, that's chapter 7. Hebrews 6 and verse 7 and 8 says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. You read the parable about sowing the seeds. And some, some fell on the hard ground, some fell on the thorny ground, some fell on good soil. Um, and we see that the thorns choked the seed. So things grew, but it still was not useful because the thorns choked it out. A thorny ground is not useful ground. I hate thorns with a passion. Um, in my job right now, I walk through more thorns in one day than I care to talk about. And, and I come home with more little pokes and prods in my legs walking through these thorny bushes 
um, because for some reason people think you got to have thorny bushes close to your house so the pest guy can't get to them without getting hurt. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> I hate thorns. Uh, I hate them. And uh, the reality is, is plants hate thorns too. Thorns will grow around and, and take up space and you, it's just it's an unprofitable space when you have thorns growing up. And God's saying here in, in Jeremiah, He says, don't sow among the thorns. Now remember the people here, they're idolatrous. They're sowing their life's seeds, they're sowing their spiritual seeds, they're sowing seeds in a place that's going to be unprofitable. It's not going to turn out the way they wanted it to turn out or the way they hoped it would turn out. It's definitely not going to turn out the way that God intends for it to turn out. Now, in uh, Hebrews, where it reads there in verse number 8, but, uh, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. Why? Because it can't grow in thorns. Can't grow in briars. And so he says, break up the fallow ground, the untilled, the unoccupied, the, the, the place that's capable for improvement. Break it up so that it can be used. You can't just plant a garden in a field. You have to till it first. You've got to break up the dirt and the soil and get it broken up. You can't just go out and put a little hole in, in the middle of the grass and put something down and expect it to be great and useful. And God's saying the same thing about the Christian. Again, he's speaking to Israel and Jeremiah, but the Christian here in Hebrews, and, and again, it's applicable to us all throughout Scripture, that we cannot sow among the thorns. For your own safety, for your own use, for your own hard work, don't sow among the thorns. It's going to be a waste of time. There are times where you do a project and a job, and you come to basically the end and you realize this was a complete waste. You ever been there before? This was a complete waste. Why did I even do this? Um, I've seen it with gardens. You work and 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 then after months of waiting, nothing. You go, what a waste. You see it in, sadly you see it sometimes in, in work with people. Where you work and 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 then, and then you just watch them just ruin their lives and you think, boy, all that time, for what? There are people who spend their entire lives trying to gain in this world. And I'm telling you, it is, it's, it's a thorny field. Because they're going to come to the end of their life and they're going to realize it was for nothing. If you don't want your work to be in vain, don't sow among the thorns. Sow good seed uh, in the right field. Even if you sow good seed in the thorns, it's going to get choked out. It's going to be for nothing. It's going to be uh, uh, empty. It's going to be uh, worthless. And we have to plow that fallow ground. We've got to break it up. And we've got to plant uh, in, in the good soil. We've got to plant and invest and things that are right, things that are godly, things that are biblical, and things that, that uh, make sense in God's eyes. Um, how do we plow that field? How do we break up that fallow ground so that we can have good soil, so that we can plant? Well, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the abiding asunder of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of 
the heart. The Bible is our plow. When we have things going on in our lives, when we have things that, are, um, that we're trying to decide in our lives, is this worth my investment? Is this worth my time? Is this worth my energy? Is this worth trying to sow the seed here? Well, if you'll plow that ground with the Bible and you'll break it up with the Bible, what does God say about it? And you can look at it in the terms of the world and, and uh, you know, okay, well, this job opportunity is here. Is this something that I should do? Should I take this opportunity? Okay, well, let's break, break up the, the ground a little bit. Let's search the Scriptures. What does this job lead you to? Where does it take you to? How does it help you? How does it hurt you? Have you prayed about it? Because if you read your Bible, you'll find out you're supposed to pray about it. <laughs> Have you prayed about it? Have you searched God's heart on it? Is it the right thing for you to do at this time? We have to use Scripture. We have to use God. God is Scripture. We have to use God to help us, to break it up, to, to get rid of the thorns, to, to make the soil right for planting so that we can sow our seed there and do it as God would see us uh, see it right to do. Then we see in verse number 4 the illustration given that was very obvious in Israel's time here. It says, Circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart, ye men of Judah. So here is the, um, this reminder that God does not care about your empty actions. God doesn't care about symbols. So much in this world and Christianity is symbolic. So much of this world uh, and the Christian world is about doing things because it symbolizes that I'm doing right. Going to church. Listen, God wants us to go to church. But there are probably thousands upon thousands of people who went to church so that people thought they were good people. They didn't go to church because they wanted to learn about God. Now, our kids go to church because we make them. And hopefully we are teaching and training them more than that. But at the beginning of it all, when I was born and I was old enough uh, uh, to, to make it out in public, uh, my parents took me to church. And so that when I became uh, conscious of what was happening, Sunday mornings, I knew I was going to church. Were there days that I laid in my bed thinking, Mom and Dad are usually up by now. If I be really quiet, maybe they'll oversleep and we don't have to go to church. Yes, there were those days. Um, but uh, at the end, I knew Sundays, I knew that Wednesdays, we were going to church. Unless something crazy happened, we were going to go to church. It was natural for me. But again, there are so many children who grow up in church. And once they hit 18 and they head off to college, or once they hit 20-something and they're out of college, they don't want to go to church anymore. Because they were always going just because you were supposed to go. It was a symbol of a Christian to go to church. I've heard people say, you shouldn't use an electronic Bible like on your phone. Uh, you should carry a Bible. So that way when your neighbors see you walking out your door and get in your car, they see the Bible in your hand. Uh, first of all, if your neighbors don't go to church, they're probably sleeping or out on the lake uh, by the time you're walking out for church. But that uh, doesn't matter. It's it, symbolism. Actions based off of works are important. We understand that. But God is saying, 
circumcise yourselves to the Lord, not just as a symbol for the society to see, but actually truly to God. And he says, take away the foreskin of your heart. He's, he's here saying, I want your heart to be given to me, surrendered, committed to me. A physical action does not impress or fool God. You can have people that will tell you, you know, oh yeah, I can tell that person. I had a guy uh, the other day, I was in his house and um, treating for ants, and, and I said, are you a pastor? He said, I am. And I said, oh, me too. And we talked a little bit about it, and he said he would forgive me for being Baptist, and I'd, I didn't make fun of him for being Methodist, but uh, I, got, I was walking out of the house, and he said, how did you know I was a pastor? I said, well, I saw your, the books in your office, and it doesn't take too much for one pastor to figure out another pastor by the books that he has on his bookshelf. And uh, not to mention he had a, a framed certificate <laughs> of ordination. But uh, nonetheless, there are things that, are, that show who we are, right? And that's important. We ought to dress in a way that is right. We ought to be modest. We ought to be pure in the way that we dress and the way that we act. We ought to be um, Christian in the way that we talk. Um, even little, little things that aren't, you can't find it black and white in the Bible. You read the principles about it in the Bible, but style. I mean, you know, we, the Bible talks about men with long hair, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. And, and, but you can't say, well, a person, well, yeah, they, uh, they cut their hair, so now that means they're, they're right with God. That, no, I mean, it might be a result of that. But the point is this. God says, I care about your heart. Your actions don't fool me. Your actions don't impress me. God doesn't say, wow, Vince went to church today. Let's put another, another little notch for him. That was impressive. No, God, God looks at my heart. And although God would more rather me be in church than be at home, I, don't, I hope we never take it as, well, I guess if my heart's not in it, I just won't go. Um, because honestly, there would be Sundays where the pastor wouldn't show up if that was the case. But, I know that you go, wait a second, what? Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm human too. Um, don't tell me you haven't had that thought before, all right? Just the difference is, is I'd get blamed and, and ridiculed for not coming, and you guys just get prayed for. So, um, <laughs> God doesn't go, okay, well, now they're, they're doing the right action, so I'm okay with that. Is it not true that there are people today that we can see clear as day in society, politicians. We see an action and we go, the only reason they did that was try to impress a, a voter base. I, I've seen it on both sides in the recent weeks. You go, people are going, oh, that was great that they did that. Well, why? What, what are their actions proving? They did that one act and people go, oh, great job, great job, great job. But do you not remember yesterday? Or did you not see them... The day after, uh, you know, an action is vain, it's empty, it's, it, and God doesn't look at us and go, okay, they're doing the right action, so that, I'm okay with that. No, God says, I want your heart to be committed to me. I want your heart to be surrendered to me. I want you to follow me and do as you're supposed to. Look at verse 14. O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Wash thine heart from wickedness. It's not just get rid of the idols. It's actually in your heart, do right. You can tear down the statues and still be worshiping idols. 
You can tear down different things in your life. You can get rid of certain things in your life and still yet not be following God. So although our actions show other people our faith, just as David stood before Samuel and Samuel looked at David and thought, this can't be it. This can't be the king that God wants. And God said to him, Samuel, you look on the outward, but I look on the heart. You can only see small, ruddy, um, uh, young, uh, you know, unknowledgeable, untrained, whatever. But God says, I can see David's heart. And the Bible tells us that David, the one who slept with Bathsheba when, when it was wrong, the one who, who went against God in other areas of his life, that David had a heart that was after God's own heart. And you see, we can look at the actions and we can judge and we can tear down. Or we can look at the actions and we can promote and we can praise. But God says those things could be all in vain. The heart is what I care about. The heart is what I care about. And so cleanse your heart from wickedness. Uh, circumcise yourself to God. Not just to the culture, but to God. Actually commit for yourself that you're going to do what God wants you to do, no matter what. That you're going to get rid of the things that God wants you to get rid of, and that you're going to follow Him in the way that He sees fit. And then He gives us an or else here in this verse. Commit yourselves to God. Break up the fallow ground. Don't sow seeds among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Uh, and then He says in verse number 4, Lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. What does that sound like? Does it not sound like another verse that tells us there's a fire that cannot be quenched? You see, God says all the actions that you do, if they're in vain, they mean nothing. It's going to get you the same punishment as the people who didn't do those actions, whose heart was also empty. There are people in this world who think that if I'm good enough, I will get to heaven. But God says if your heart has not been cleansed by Jesus' blood, you're going to burn in hell for eternity. I'm all for good people. All for them. Trust me, I, I'm dealing with people on a daily basis. I like good people better than I like bad people. But at the end of the day, God says your heart is what matters. And if your heart doesn't get right, if your heart doesn't commit, then my fury is going to come like a fire and like one that cannot be quenched. We have to be careful because Satan will distract us with priorities. Satan will have things that are good distract us from things that are right. Society is making some very valid points right now, and some not so valid, but many valid points. And areas that the church has failed for years and years and years to help with. But be careful that Satan doesn't distract you with social issues when there are more important spiritual issues at hand. Don't get caught up in thinking, well, as long as we can solve this social issue, then everything will be fine. No, if the heart doesn't get solved, everything won't be fine. 
I've watched pastors, and I believe they love their people and they love their community, but I've seen them get pulled off of the priorities. I've watched Christians over the last several years, and I'm sure it's been a lot longer than that, but I've seen it where we've been pulled off of the priorities. Curtis Hudson, he was a preacher, he founded the Sword of the Lord, he said, um, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. And I'm sure someone said it before him, but, uh, but the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Well, the Bible tells us that there's a world that is dying and going to hell. And the main thing is, is that we fulfill the Great Commission and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Because how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they believe unless they don't hear? Or unless they hear? You see, here in Jeremiah, when God is speaking to a nation to return to Him, it's not just tear down the idols and then we're good. No, it's tear down the idols in your heart. Break up the fallow ground. Don't sow among the thorns. Commit to me with your heart, with your whole heart. We read in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Not only are we to trust in the Lord with all our heart, we're supposed to commit to God with all our heart. Surrender to God with all our heart. That's what brings true revival. That's what brings lasting change. Our society issues that we have right now are here because people have not treated people the right way. Because people have taken opportunity um, or advantage of their authority to fit themselves and not other people. But I think it, at the end of the day, if we read our Bible, we realize it all comes back on Christians. Because the world is not told, go into the rest of the world and teach Jesus. No, that's the church. That's us. We're told to do that. And God says that with God, there is peace. With God, there is love. With God, there is forgiveness. With God, there's change. We might see social change other ways, but we'll never see a society be peaceful and loving to each other without God's help. We have to start with us and breaking up the fallow ground. We have to be committing our hearts to God. And with that comes the forgiveness, the restoration, like we talked about before, the, uh, with repentance comes revival. But without those things, we ought to expect the fury of God. The Bible says that God so loved the world, but the Bible also teaches us that there's coming a day when as uh, slightly different, but as in uh, Noah's time, when God destroyed the earth, there's coming a day it's going to happen again. Not with a flood, but it's going to be violent. And God is going to wipe this world of wickedness. And I don't know how much time we've got. And I've told you before, I'm all for cheering on the return of Jesus, but we got some work to get done before Jesus comes. And it ain't going to happen unless we break up the fallow ground and we stop sowing in the thorns and we stop just with the vain actions and truly commit ourselves to God. 
and be what God wants us to be. Lord, I pray for your help because we desperately need it. God, I pray that our church would be an example to the lost world, but to other believers as well. Lord, that we would not just be vain, that we would not be empty, that we would not be doing things that just to do them, but God, that we would do things committed to you, that we're following you. And God, I pray that you would help us in our own lives. God, that we would break up the fallow ground, the, the ground that is currently unusable. Our heart, if it is not where you want it to be, uh, it needs to be broken up. And Lord, I pray that you would um, convict us of our need for spiritual change. God, that we can experience revival in our own lives, in our own homes, and in our church. And God, that that would spread throughout our community. God, we pray as you've placed us in this place, we pray that you would again place us within a community that needs you, and Lord, that is uh, white and ready for harvest. And God, I pray that we would individually be prepared to do exactly what you'd have us to do, God, that we would live for you and follow you. Lord, that our daily prayer would be all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. Lord, help us to love you so that we can love others. Help us to serve you so that we can serve others. God, break us today so that we can be put together by the potter and formed into exactly what you want us to be. Forgive us where we need forgiveness. Humble us where we need to be humbled. Give us boldness when we need to be bold. And God, make us the perfect example for those around us. I do pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.